Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. What an amazing, amazing presence of God, huh? It is so good to see you and to um, be before you. You know, it feels like it's been a month since I preached. Probably because it's been a month since I preached. But it's so good to be here. I want you to turn this morning to Acts chapter 8. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 through 8. I want to welcome those that are viewing online this morning. Thank you for joining us. I also want to welcome Onesimus and Deborah and their son Ian. It's so good to have you with us. And Carly is with us. Um, many of you know uh, Sherry. Um, uh, her, her daughter Carly had a little son uh, several weeks ago named Jackson. And I understand Jackson is doing much better, and this is the first time she's been able to leave him and come to church, so it's good to, good to have you here, Carly. And remember, yes. And please remember to pray, for, continue to pray for little Jackson, but uh, God is so faithful. Amen? Acts chapter 1 and verse 1. The former account I made... O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after suffering by many infallible proofs. Say it with me, infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I want you to read that last sentence with me. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea, Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. Now, dear God, bless the speaking of your word in these next few moments, I pray. Holy Spirit, you are invited. You are welcomed. You are wanted here, sir. Come, and, and, and even as you, as you visited us during worship, I pray that you'd manifest a, a, another visitation as we turn our hearts to your word, give us understanding, sir. Come and teach us, sir. Come and guide us, sir. 
that we may know the will and heart of God. I bless this people. I pray your blessing upon them now. Let the word of God fill this room with your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. And all that agree said, amen, amen. Thank you, Mario. Well, today I'm excited to, uh, um, to, to start a, a, a series entitled Missions as a Lifestyle. Missions as a Lifestyle. And, and with this series, we, we're going to look at what it means to, to be a missionary for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to look at what it means to live as one sent by Jesus into the world as a missionary. The video that we just saw is about being sent into the world that is already white with harvest, working with the Lord of the harvest to see people come to Christ. It's important to understand, it's important for you to understand and for you to accept that you have been sent by the Lord of the harvest into the mission field. Yet most people, when they think about missions, when they think about being a missionary, they think about going to some remote part of the world. Being a missionary is not just about going. It is also about living your life out every day with the knowledge that you're on a mission for and a mission with Christ. And that your mission field, the place that God has called you to, starts right where you live. So it's not about going. It's about being. Your mission field starts right in your Jerusalem. Today we're going to look at what it means to be a witness for Jesus in a message entitled, What Kind of Witness Are You? What kind of witness are you? Think about that. And I want to answer the following four questions about being a, being a witness for Jesus. The first question is this. What does it mean to be a witness? The second question. Where is your mission field? The third question. What are the different kinds or, or types of witnesses there are? And lastly, what is the expected outcome of your witness? God has called you and made you to be a witness for Jesus. And he did so with an expected outcome. Last Sunday... We celebrated Pentecost, which commemorates the day the Holy Spirit invaded earth 
like a mighty rushing wind. And his coming was as Jesus had promised in the verses we read in Acts chapter 1. Having an understanding of the Holy Spirit coming to infuse you with his power is paramount to the mission that you're on. That's why I was so excited as we lingered this morning and cried out to the Holy Spirit, inviting the Holy Spirit to come and have his way. I turned to Tim and said, boy, this is so right for my message. You must understand the mission you're on. And you must understand the important role that the Holy Spirit plays in your mission. Because the mission that you've been given by Jesus is impossible to accomplish without the Holy Spirit. You got to get that. The, the, the mission, the witness that Jesus wants you to be, it, you, it's impossible for you to be that kind of witness without the Holy Spirit. Oh, you may be a good person. You may have certain levels of success. You may feel good about what you're able to do, but you will never be the witness that Jesus wants you to be if your life has not been infused with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. He is paramount to you being the witness that Jesus wants you to be. If you've not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you are ill-equipped as a witness. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good now. If you have not received the fullness of the Spirit of God into your life, you're ill-equipped. You're ill-equipped. Now, that does not mean that you're not saved. It simply means you've been, the mission you've been given by Jesus would be impossible for you to accomplish without the Holy Spirit. It means your witness will not be as effective as it should be at best or totally ineffective at worst. Jesus commissioned us to carry out the great commission of preaching the gospel. He commissioned us, every one of us, every one of you, have been commissioned by Jesus to make disciples. We've all been commissioned to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You say, well, Pastor, I thought that was for the pastors and the licensed ministers. No. Are you a, if you're a believer, raise your hand. That qualifies you to make disciples. That qualifies you to preach the word of God to people. That qualifies you to baptize someone who's ready to have that experience with the Lord. You're qualified. You've been commissioned by Jesus to go forth and do the work 
he left the church to do. But that task is extremely difficult without the Holy Spirit's presence and guidance. The power of God that's been given to you by way of the Holy Spirit was not given to give you goosebumps when you feel God's presence. But the Holy Spirit was given so that you would be an effective, life-changing witness of Jesus. That you would be an effective, life-transforming witness of Jesus. He was not given to make you feel good. And if your only experience with the Holy Spirit is how you feel, you're missing the boat. I would say your ship has sailed. Now, that don't mean you, can, you can't catch up with it. But you got to understand why Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit. So what is a witness? What is a witness? A witness is someone who can give a first-hand account of something seen, heard, or experienced. A witness is someone who can give a first-hand account of something they have seen, something they have heard, or something they have experienced. In Acts 1 through 3, Jesus, in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus presented himself, listen to what it says, he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Infallible proofs. That's an interesting term. By many infallible proofs. Infallible means incapable of making mistakes or being wrong. Listen, it means never failing or always effective. Proof is evidence that establishes a fact or a truth of a statement. The apostles' witness of Jesus was based on infallible proofs. And as he gave proof to them of his resurrection, he also gives proofs to us. You see, being a witness for Jesus is not about showing what you can do for God. Please hear me. But being a witness is showing and telling others what God has done for you. So we get this thing all twisted sometimes. We think it's about what can I do for God? No, 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 no. That's not what being a witness is. Being a witness is just testifying to a truth, to a reality, to something you have experienced, seen, or heard. So it's not about what you can do for God. It is about telling others what God has done for you. In the court system, guilty people look for witnesses to come and testify for them in order to keep the truth from being known. And an effective witness can do that. Is that not right? But people who are innocent, they look for witnesses to come and testify to the truth. They want witnesses whose testimony is infallible. It's infallible. As far as your, uh, as far as your witness of Jesus, 
You've been called upon by God. Please hear me. Every single one of you under the sound of my voice in this room via the internet that's going to watch this next tomorrow, next week, months later. Listen, you've been called upon by God to testify to the truth. You've been called upon God to be a witness of the truth. You're not to propagate a falsehood or fallacy, but you're to testify that Jesus is the Son of God. And your testimony should uphold all that Jesus both did and taught. You are his witness. That means you have knowledge of the truth. You have knowledge of the truth. Your testimony is not only truthful, truthful, your testimony, please hear me, it is also relevant to the outcome. Testimony affects the outcome. Your witness of Jesus or your lack of witness of Jesus will have an impact on mankind concerning the final judgment rendered by God. See, it's not just for us preachers. It's for you too. I want to say that again because I want to make sure everyone gets that. You're you're Jesus' witness. That means you have knowledge of the truth. Your testimony is not only truthful, but your testimony is also relevant to the outcome. Your witness of Jesus will have an impact on mankind, good or bad, concerning the final judgment that will be rendered by God. So when Jesus met with his followers in Acts 1, he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Please notice he did not say you can be a witness. He did not say you may be a witness. He said you shall be. You shall be. So the question is not can I be a witness? The question is not Will I be a witness? The question is not, should I be a witness? The question is, what kind of witness am I? It is not, can you be a witness? Will you be a witness? Should you be a witness? The question that we all must answer, the question that you must answer is, what kind of witness are you? Now, we're going to examine more more closely the kind of witnesses we can be. But before we do that, let's take a moment and look at who we're called to witness to. 
Who are you called to witness to? Jesus identified four geographical regions to describe who you are to witness to. Four geographical regions. Those regions are Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the, end of the earth. So how do you apply those geographical regions to your mission field? Well, Jerusalem, it is where you live. That is your Jerusalem. It is your home, your neighborhood, your community. If you live in Meridian, Alabama, or Meridianville, that is your Jerusalem. If you live in Hazelgreen, that is your Jerusalem. If you live in Athens, that is your Jerusalem. If you live in Huntsville, that is your Jerusalem. If you live here in Madison, Madison is your Jerusalem. Onesimo and Deborah live in Warner Robins. That is their Jerusalem right now. Eddie has a sister here from Germany named Nellie. Hey, Nellie. The hometown she lives in in Germany, that is her Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where you live. And Jesus said, you are to be my witness in your place of dwelling. Where you live can be the most difficult field that you serve on. Because the people know you. <laughs> but listen, when we are the kind of witness that God's called us to be, it should be the most effective mission field you're on. Because the people know you. You get that. <laughs> Judea. Judea represents the people that are both near you and like you. People that are like you in culture, that are like you in race, that are like you in ethnicity, that also happens to live near you, that makes up your Judea. So for us here in Madison, Athens, Huntsville, is, is, is all Judea and vice versa. And it's the people that are close to us and like us, okay? Your Samaria represents the people who are near you but are not like you. It speaks of people in nearby cities whom you may work with, shop with, or go to the same gym with that are culturally, racially, or ethnic, ethnically different from you. Jesus said you're to reach those people also. So you're not just sent to your kind. You're also sent to those that are not like you. It's getting hot. It's getting warm. Jesus said you're to reach those people also. Hmm. People that are near you but not like you. Can at time be the most difficult people to reach? Because we want to reach them 
based on who we are. Based on what we want. Based on what we like. Instead of allowing God to stretch us and make us uncomfortable. Where we can cross racial barriers. We can, we can cross social barriers and reach people. And you see, that's why you need the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. He needs to reveal to you what you need to use to, to reach them. We're not smart enough to figure that out on our own. Jesus then said you're to reach the people who may be on the other side of the world from you. Now, when it was written some 2,000 years ago, the only way to reach those people were to go to them. But now with, uh, with, with today's technology, it's easy to reach out across the world via, via the Internet, Facebook, and social media and other social media outlets and witness to people who are halfway across the world from you. But listen, you must be mindful and careful of the power of social media and how you use it. Social media can be a tremendous tool to witness about what Jesus has done for you, or it can be a turnoff if your social media posts are not representative of Christ. Social media can be a tremendous tool to witness about what Jesus has done for you, or it can be a turnoff if your posts are not representative of Christ. Hot boiling. And it's only going to get hotter. So we have established now what a witness is. We have established now your mission field, Jerusalem, your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, your end of the earth. Now let's talk about the different kinds of witnesses there are. I want you to try and identify where you fit in these types I'm going to share with you. And I want you to be willing to make necessary adjustments if you realize your witness is not what it should be. What kind of witness are you? The first kind of witness that I want to identify today is what would be characterized as a timid witness. That's the person who you put on the witness stand and their nerves just take over. They become, they're, they're timid. They sit there and they, they bite their fingernails and, 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 and they, they're, they're timid. They're afraid. They're scared. A timid witness is a witness who is easily intimidated. When it comes to you witnessing of the Lord Jesus Christ, are you easily intimidated? The environment intimidates them. The questions intimidates them. A timid witness shows a lack of courage or confidence and is easily frightened. I believe the body of Christ has far too many timid witnesses. There are far too many believers who are, who are afraid to tell others what God has done for them. You don't have to know all the Bible. You don't have to know 
one, one hundredth of the Bible, all you've got to be able to do is tell people what God has done for you. I have found the most effective witness tool that you have is just to give your testimony. So it's not based on how much words you know. It's not based on how many hours you spent in prayer before you came across this person. It's simply you telling someone what God has done for you. If you're timid about telling others about Jesus, my question to you is this. Have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If you, if you have not, in just a moment, we're going to pray for you, and you can receive the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 12, 11 through 12. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. That is why you need the Holy Spirit. He not only gives you courage to speak, but he tells you what to say. If you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and you're still timid, perhaps you're timid because you're trusting too much in what you can do and, and, and you're not trusting enough in what the Holy Spirit can do. So you are afraid. That, if you, that, that you don't know what to say or you don't know how to say it, that makes you timid. You must trust the Holy Spirit to give you what you need. Another type of witness that we find in the courtroom as well as in life is what I would characterize as a bad witness. <laughs> a bad witness. A bad witness will be a witness who has character issues. I said it's going to get hot in here. A bad witness has character issues. A known drunkard would not be a good witness, but a bad witness. A person who is a repeat criminal would be a bad witness in the court of law. And a good lawyer is very hesitant to put on the witness stand someone who is known to have character issues. Now, can I bring this home for you? As a witness of Jesus, if your character can be questioned, your testimony becomes suspect. Do you hear me? If your character can be questioned, your testimony becomes suspect. Character matters in the kingdom of God. And if you're going to reach the people that God will have you reach, your lifestyle must be a reflection of Jesus. Character matters. The next kind of witness that I want to talk about, it's very interesting characterization. This witness is a witness that we would refer to as a hostile witness. A hostile witness is a witness whose testimony under direct, exam direct examination 
is openly antagonistic or contrary to the position of the person who called them to be a witness. Oh, I'm, I'm, can I I'm say it again? A hostile witness is a witness whose testimony under, now, do you know the difference between this direct examination? And, let me take a moment and make sure you understand what direct examination is versus indirect. So let's say that I am the prosecuting attorney. And let's say that Mario, no, I'm, I'm not going to pick on Mario. Let's pick on Jamal. <laughs> I'm the prosecuting attorney, and I call Jamal as, as a witness for me. I directly examine him, means I ask him questions that I expect him to give a favorable answer to my questions. Do you get that? We're talking about direct examination. So a hostile witness is a witness whose testimony under direct examination is openly antagonistic are contrary to the position of the person who called them to witness. So what does that look like in the church? If you speak something contrary to what God has said, you are a hostile witness of Jesus. If you rebel against the authority God puts in place, you're rebelling against God and you are a hostile witness of Jesus. If you sow discord in the church, if you sow division in the church, you're a hostile witness of Jesus. If you're not willing to speak the truth, you're a hostile witness of Jesus. The testimony of a hostile witness hurts instead of help the one who called them to testify. Normally, thank you, baby. Normally, the party who calls you as a witness, and we're talking about Jesus called us to be his witnesses, right? Normally, the party who calls you as a witness do so with the belief. That you will provide the court with evidence that's similar to the account that you gave them. <laughs> if you do not give the evidence expected, that's not good. If, however, you go further and do not speak the truth as you know it, the one who called you as a witness can appeal to the judge to have you declared a hostile witness. A hostile witness of Jesus is also someone who blames God 
or the church for the things that are happening to them. A hostile witness of Jesus is also someone who blames God or blames the church for the things that are happening to them. Instead of faithfully enduring the hardships of life, please hear me, a hostile witness turns against God and or the church when life happens to them. My hopes and prayer that no one under the sound of my voice would be declared by Jesus a hostile witness against him or against his body. So the next witness I want to talk about is what we would call a good witness. A good witness is a witness, listen, who has prepared himself or herself for trial. If you're going to be a good witness of Jesus, you must prepare yourself for the trials of life that are surely going to come your way, that you may patiently endure them in faith. We all have this idea of what makes life ideal. And we're fine until life happens to us in a way we do not like or a way we did not expect. And if you're not careful when life happens to you, you become a hostile witness of Jesus. But a good witness of Jesus is prepared for the things of life. So that when the things that they face in life happens to them, those things do not hurt their witness of God. People are watching you. If they know you are a Christian, they're watching you. They're watching to see how you're going to respond when something bad happens. They're watching to see how you're going to respond when you don't get the promotion on, promotion on your job that you would believe you was going to get. How, you, how do you respond to that? You get angry? Do you pout? You see, we can, we can be hostile by just pouting. Or do you believe that God is still in control and that what he has for you, you're going to get? A good witness is prepared for life when life happens. Good witnesses do not blame God or the church when something bad happens to them. A good witness of Jesus is someone who looks to God for help, study his word for instructions, and do their best to always, always represent Jesus with the best. Now, the next type of witness I want to talk about, and this is the last type, is a very important witness in the courtroom as well as in the church. And that is what we call an expert witness. An expert witness. An expert witness is, is permitted to testify because they have special knowledge or they have a special proficiency in a particular field that is relevant to the case. An expert witness is allowed to give testimony based on opinions, their opinions, as long as one, the testimony is based upon sufficient facts or data, 
Two, the testimony is the product of reliable principles and methods. And three, the witness has applied the principles and methods reliably to the facts of the case. As I was preparing this message, studying through, thinking through the different types of witnesses Christians can be and should be, I came to this startling realization. It startled me. Of all the witnesses types or all the different kinds of witnesses that we can be, every believer qualifies as an expert witness. <laughs> every believer qualifies as an expert witness. Now, the name Yeshua which is a shorthand of form of the name Yehoshua or Jesus, conveys the idea that God or Yahweh delivers or saves his people from destruction. Matthew 1.21 says, And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. If you are a born-again believer, you qualify as an expert witness that Jesus saves. You're an expert in that. How many of you have ever been healed by God? Raise your hand. Raise it high. Woo, praise Jesus. Listen. That qualifies you as an expert witness that God is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. If you've ever found yourself stressed out or worried about something and God came through and brought peace to your life and peace to your mind, you're qualified to testify that he is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. If God has ever met your need, how many of you have ever had your needs met by God? I mean, you've had a need in your life. You didn't know how you were going to make it. You didn't know what you were going to do. And somehow, I mean, out of nowhere, God showed up and God did. And God gave you what you need. You are an expert witness that he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. If you know, and I know this, I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Then you are an expert witness to hear Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord, our righteousness. Some of you know him as Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, your shepherd. Some of you know him as Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Some of you know him as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, who is a banner over your life. You know him as Jehovah Elohim, the Lord of Lords. You are qualified in the courtroom of God to be an expert witness to who God and who Jesus is. All you've got to do is tell your testimony. What God has done for you is perhaps your most effective witness too. So just tell people 
what he's done for you. You are an expert in that area. Listen, can't no one convince me that God doesn't love me. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I don't care how bad you talk about me, how bad you talk about my God. I know God loves me. And I'm an expert witness of the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I've experienced it in my life and I live under that love every single day. So again, I ask you the question, what kind of witness are you or what kind of witness have you been? We all have what it takes to be an effective witness because we have experienced firsthand the things that God has done. We have the ability as witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ to cause people to turn to him and believe him. That should be the result of your witness. That through your witness, others come to know the same Jesus that you know. That through your witness, your Jerusalem, your in your Judea, in your Samaria, even to the end of the earth, you see people coming to Jesus. So I want to, to conclude by asking you two questions. Number one, what kind of witness are you? And number two, what kind of witness do you want to be? And I believe the second question is most important. Jesus said in John 4.35, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. He said, lift up your eyes, the fields are white. Then he said in Matthew 13, 38, the field is the world. And he said in Matthew 9, 37 through 38, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What kind of witness do you want to be? And that concludes today's message. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We pray today's message has been encouraging and it empowers you for your journey following Jesus. If you would like to learn more about our church, check out our website at www.r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.